Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are Um, if I were to title this, today, again, it's going to be a little bit different. At the end of everything, we're going to do a baby dedication, which is real cool because I'm going to start today's part of our message as a, in a baby dedication. We're going to go visit an old baby dedication of many years ago, and it's when Jesus was brought to the temple uh, to dedicate him unto the Lord and all that stuff and um, to dedicate him in the temple, and that's kind of what we're going to do later. We're going to dedicate uh, a beautiful baby boy, and uh, so, so it's just a, a special time, and Omar is going to come up, and he's going to give um, some points, too, as we close up, so I would title this uh, today, The Breakthrough That Changes Everything. Hopefully, you've been hearing for the last month or so uh, or more that we've been speaking a lot about breakthrough, and breakthrough just last Sunday, um, I could say that uh, many individuals received uh, forms of breakthroughs in their life. I know I did. Last Sunday was such a special Sunday uh, for me personally. Um, I I don't know for anyone else that was here. Uh, But we've been on this theme of breakthrough. And I kind of want to take a moment before I jump into Luke chapter 2. So you could start turning to Luke chapter 2. But my desire is to spark your heart, your mind, your your soul, uh, to begin to pray for something specifically I want you to begin to pray and to think about our church fast that is starting on January 9th. Um, we're going to start a church fast, and it's going to be uh, towards the t- uh, until the 22nd. We're going to close it off uh, and pray together on that Sunday and um, close off our fast. But I want it to be something special because I, what I would hate is for this to be a fast that I join or that we would join half-heartedly. Uh, a fast that we or I would feel forced to join, or a fast um, that I, I jump into it, but I have no direction in where my heart is at or where my thoughts are at as I jump into this fast. So I guess I want to start off by telling every single one of you that are here today is don't let it just sneak up on you and you go through all this celebration and Christmas and New Year's and like, oh no, we're starting the fast tomorrow. Um, I really hope that you start already praying. Like, I haven't been able to take my mind, my thoughts, and my prayer off this fast because I actually am praying for some very specific and personal things in my life. I'm going to be very honest with you, some personal breakthroughs in my life that I'm I'm asking for. And um, I really just want to, through this fast, um, cling closer to the Lord. And I really want to cling to His heart. You know what I'm saying? And really just hear his heart for my life and hear his heart and his direction for my life and certain things that I'm praying for. And um, I hope that you could join me in that. Don't take this fast lightly. Um, I believe that the next few years on this earth are going to be very important for the church and those that call themselves Christians. So this is a very important fast because in the direction that our planet earth will be taking, I believe, in the next few years. Amen? So I think it's just good to come to a place of fast. So why should we fast? Why should I fast? Um, Well, together, I think it's important that we fast because we're going to seek from the Lord. 
and we're going to seek from the Lord together, and that we would put ourselves in a posture of an offering and as a sacrifice unto the Lord. And that's why I want to fast. I want to be, I want to be uh, the offering that is placed on the altar, and I want to say that may the fire of God completely consume me on his altar. And I want to fast, Lord God, so that your fire could cons- consume me. And that's what I'm longing for. Fasting is uh, biblical. You can't run away from, oh, fasting is not, not my spiritual gift. <laughs> fasting is biblical, and it's in the Word, and it's, it's, it's all over Scripture from Old Testament to New Testament. You see the teaching of fasting, and you see the act of fasting. So together, we want to come to the Lord and ask Him to stir in us a heart, a heart that would ache. I love that word, ache. And they go, oh, why would you want to pray for that? A heart that would ache and be led to love and win the lost. So part of my fasting of breakthrough is, Lord, use me as a vessel to confront um, individuals that need breakthroughs in their life. Put me in places. Give me boldness. Let me open up doors so that I could win. This upcoming year, my, my intention is to win souls for the kingdom of heaven. Amen. And I'm really fasting for that, for direction and ideas uh, that, I'm, that I'm starting to get and what that could look like. How many of you are praying into your fasting? At least you would start today, amen? We're fasting for breakthrough in our lives and breakthrough in the lives of others. So that's why you should fast. And maybe you're here and you say, well, how should I fast? This is a great question. How should I fast? Well, I'll tell you this to start off my little rant on how you should fast. Um, how, how can I say it exactly how I wrote it? Ready? Um, if it doesn't hurt, then you're doing something wrong. So that's how you should fast. If you're like, man, this fast is easy. It's like if I'm not even doing it, you're not fasting. It's not a fast if you're doing well. If, you're do- if you've probably gained like 50 pounds in the fast, you, you probably didn't fast the right way. So if, if there's a fast that God's calling us to, it should hurt, and it's a good hurt. Um, please don't think like, wow, this guy's, you know, he's asking us to go into a place of hurting and pain. And, well, yeah, in a sense. But, but I want to kind of touch up on this because um, there are people, and you might know someone that might be joining the fast, and you want to encourage them to join a fast with you. Um, if someone has health issues, um, you have to be careful with your health and how you fast. So I can't say, hey, fast all kinds of food, and then you're like, whoa, I need some of these foods so I don't die. Uh, we need to be wise, obviously. So check your doctor. Hey, I'm going through a fast. Um, what do you, th- you know, is this okay? If I- it's okay to do that. I encourage you to make sure that you fast well. Um, but see what maybe if you need to eat, see what changing your diet in a fast can look like for those that have health issues. Um, because I have learned this. I've learned that fasting food is the most painful and yet most rewarding way of doing it. And it's biblical. You see it all throughout the text. Fasting food is the hardest. That is why people be like, oh, I'm fasting my phone, and they won't fast food because it's the hardest thing. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm fasting. I don't know. It's, I've heard all kinds. You can imagine the things I've heard. Um, I'm fasting wearing red for them. No, that's not what fasting is. This is not like one of those kind of things. So, so really uh, pray into that and see what it's like. Um, it's just two weeks uh, away, so um, play, uh, pl- uh, I'm sorry, it's just two weeks of fasting, so play with those days. So here's some ideas. Some people just drink liquids for those two weeks. Maybe that's something you could do, some mix it. Some people will have, there will be a couple days where they have no carbs, no sugars, 
Um, they'll just eat meat, kind of like a carnivore diet. And then there'll be other days where they'll mix it up for those two weeks where they'll just have waters or juices. Um, maybe some days only where you could drink out of a straw. Maybe you feel bold to do that for the whole two weeks. But whatever it is, come before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to hunger for you. I'm going to ache for you because I, I long for you. All right? It's a united church fast. Amen? But individually, as we're fasting together, it's between you and it's between you and the Lord. You know what you should do. I know what I should do. I know what I have to do. Um, and, if you, and I pray that you enter into it truly with hunger and thirsting, thirst for the Lord. <clears throat> or don't just casually pass by taking it for granted um, what the Lord may want to do in our lives and in our lives together. Praise God. We're going to get together in, in the mornings um, and, and pray even out over Zoom and have uh, special times together. Amen. So talking uh, about breakthrough, my, my message and the title today is this. It is the breakthrough that changes everything. Hopefully you could write that down. You could take notes today. It's so important to take notes. Um, but I want to kind of share a story in Luke chapter 2 because this, um, the birth of Jesus is so miraculous, obviously. The birth of Jesus, I love all the stories in the birth of Jesus. If you really study through the birth of Jesus, through his coming, and you take the different avenues of it, of it just watch how heaven and earth collide. It's, it's, it's unreal when you take a different view and a different glimpse of it. Um, I love all the stories um, when it comes to Jesus being born, Jesus coming. Um, we hear about the I love the story uh, of the wise men, obviously. Um, I love the story of the shepherds in the field. I can't imagine being a shepherd in the field, and then there's a host of heaven's angels singing and telling me, like, hey, um, this is what's going on. The king is born. Like, it really is real intense. I've, I've been in that field. I've been more or less in the caves where they believe um, the, the, the sheep of these shepherds would be in. I've, I, I stood in that field where I'm like, wow, right here is probably where they were standing and the angels would speak to them. I mean, the stories are, are so magnificent. Um, the story of, uh, obviously, Gabriel showing up, the angel, to Mary and even to Joseph on separate occasions. I mean, you, you, come up, you, you can't come up with words to, to describe some of this. But today I want to share uh, just a magnificent introduction to Jesus entering the world. And it's found in Luke chapter 2. Let's find ourselves in verse 25. Listen, read this, and let it minister to us. We'll start off and I'll pause as we read. <clears throat> but let's start with uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 25, and uh, we'll go from there. It says, At the time there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and he was a righteous and devout man. He was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and to rescue Israel, or the consolation of Israel is what other translations say. And it says that the Holy Spirit was upon him. So here is, so far, a man in Simeon in Jerusalem. He's righteous. He is devout. And what is he doing? He's waiting eagerly for the Messiah of Israel, the Messiah of the world to show up to rescue Israel. So this righteous and devout man, not only was he a good man, how they describe him here, on verse 25, but the man, the Holy Spirit is upon him. Very strange to read that on verse 25 because the day of Pentecost has not happened yet. And the Holy Spirit 
is upon this man. And it says here, and he had, re- and he had revealed to him, listen to what the revelation <clears throat> that sat in Simeon was, that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. What a beautiful promise. You won't die until you see the Messiah. Verse 27 says, That day the Spirit led him into the temple. And when, so Mary and Joseph, they came, just like we're going to do in a little bit with baby Riccardi, they came with baby Jesus into the temple to present Jesus to the Lord as the law required. I, I want you um, to really get a feel for what's happening here. Mary and Joseph show up, and verse 28 says, as they show up with Jesus, as they show up to dedicate him in the temple, everyone look at verse 28. Ready? Let's put to verse 28. And it says, Simeon was what? There. Simeon was there. Oh, finally, you, all, you guys made it. Simeon is present. He's, he's there, and he's, he's, he's going to see all of this happen, and, and watch what plays out now in Simeon's life, okay? Let, let's go back again. Let's go back. Simeon, a man who took God seriously. We see that already in verse 25. He did not take God lightly. He did not take his teachings lightly. This man was serious about God. This man was a righteous man, and this man was a devout man, and God saw it fit way before Pentecost even came that he would still allow his spirit to dwell upon this man. Think about what a devout and righteous man is that the Holy Spirit sat on him. And it says that truly this devout man, who was, he was careful, and what, that's what that means. He was reverent towards God. And the Holy Spirit was on him. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And being filled with the Holy Spirit, it allowed for Simeon to be perfectly led and guided. How many of us struggle with being led by God? How many of us struggle with being guided? You just feel like, I'm just a wanderer. I have no guidance I have no person, nothing leading me. And it's because there's a lack of intimacy with the Spirit. Because the Spirit of the living God is not living in us. So what we do is, oh, I see where he's going. I see what he's saying. So we begin to mimic other people. So I'll do what he says and what he says because definitely he's got to be a man of God. So I'll follow that. And yet we miss out on having encounters and having the presence of God truly dwelling in us. Amen? So I want you to really take a self-examination. Are you filled? Are you led? Are you guided by the Holy Spirit? I'm talking about Simeon here. That's what he was. On this time of celebrating Christmas, I want you to recognize this story. And here's Mary... And Joseph, and they arrived to present Jesus. And as they arrived to the temple, someone's already there. And the person that's there is Simeon. See, most of us have had the great experience of Jesus welcoming us, right? Jesus has welcomed you into his family. The Bible says that we were once what? Sinners and 
enemies of God. And now we are called what? Friends and children of God. And now we could say, Abba, Father. He's brought us in into relationship with the Father. How many of you could be grateful for that? So he's welcomed us in. Most of us have had the great experience of Jesus welcoming us. But imagine Simeon. Imagine being the man welcoming Jesus into this world. Wow. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing how the Lord looks at at figures like Mary and says, she's going to carry Christ in the womb and this man's going to be there. But he has a purpose. He has a a profession, a declaration that he's going to speak from his mouth. And, And here he is about to do something incredible. Let's keep reading verse 28. Simeon was there. Mary and Jesus show up. And in verse 28 says, he took the child in his arms. And look what he began, begins to do. He begins to praise God. And this is what he says. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised. For I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all the people. <laughs> Wow. I love that he takes Jesus by his arms. Because those same arms, listen to this, would be what would receive him, Simeon. And those same arms that he picks up Jesus by would be the same arms that receive us. He's picking up a child's arms. And that same child would grow into a man and become his savior And we'll pick up Simeon with his arms. And we'll pick us up with his arms and unite us with him. Amen? This man's entire life, Simeon, was for one moment. One moment. What was his one moment? Shoot it. Hmm? To proclaim the Messiah. To meet the Messiah. One moment this man's whole life. And it comes to this, I must see Jesus. You know, when I read that, I got convicted in the heart. And I said, do I live every day with this one desire? I must see Jesus. I must see Jesus. Can we say, just like Simeon says, I'm good with death now. I'm good with death because I've seen the Lord. I've seen and I've encountered your salvation. And I am prepared to go in peace at your will. I'm I'm, I'm prepared, Lord. Simeon, as we know now, being led by the Holy Spirit, he continues to speak about this Jesus who's in his hands. And he begins to make this confession or profession, whatever you want to call it. And let's go to verse 30 and watch this. This is so beautiful. Let the text just preach for itself. Here it is. Ready? He has Jesus. Imagine this scene. He's in the temple. Mary and Joseph are looking at this guy. First off, these are good parents. Because um, like when my children were babies and a stranger just picks them up and starts to say, yes, I could die now. I'll be like, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean you could die now? I'll be, I'll be patting him down. Why are you carrying my child, stranger, and saying you could die now? Mary and Joseph very beautiful people, and he's grabbing Jesus, Mary and Joseph looking at him. You can see it, right? Mary looking at Joseph, Joseph looking at Mary like, do I tackle him? (laughs) 
But watch what happens. He says, I have seen your salvation, which you've prepared for all people. He is a light, come on, man, to reveal God to the nations. He is the glory of your people, Israel. In verse 33, it says, Jesus' parents were there. And look what it says. They were amazed at what was being said. Joseph went from tackling him to, did you hear what he just said? It's what Gabriel said. It's what the angel said. Truly, this is God. This is the Son of God. They begin to marvel. Verse 34, then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, look what he says, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall. But look what he says next, and many others to rise. Thank you for that, Simeon. I am one of those that have risen because of Jesus Christ. And he has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. Verse 35, and as a result... The deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword, he's looking at Mary, and a sword will pierce your soul. Can you imagine that day? Merry Christmas, Mary. Like, wow, did you, you gave me such good news, but then like, such bitter news at the end. <laughs> My son's going to be amazing, but a sword is going to pierce me. People are going to oppose him. If you are a parent... You know that you don't want no one to oppose your child. You want your child to be great and popular and well and never made fun of, never bullied, never. You want your child to be the model child. Boof, but then your bubble gets burst and you recognize it doesn't happen that way. Any parents? Except for those that do have that model child that are in denial. All right, here we go. But what a beautiful things. And, and you could hear him telling Mary, oh, Mary, oh, mom. I'm not sure if he called her mom, but the pain it will cause you to see him be rejected, your son, this baby that I'm holding. This baby will be rejected by many. Today, they still are. Our laws reject and spit at the face of Jesus. The laws of our government, the things that are on television, the things that are happening with families, the things that are happening even in churches, Christ is being rejected still today. He was rejected during his day. And it says there's going to be pain in your heart because many will reject him. There's going to be pain because you're going to witness the cross. Your son will be a target that people will shoot at and they still do. They're still throwing darts at him. They're still crucifying him every single day. He'll be the target but specifically of all great evil. Evil will target him, but those will be one to the light, will come and, and honor him and fall at his feet. So he's telling Mary, yes, heaven's sweetness and the light of the world you've given birth to. He's right here, but this beautiful, sweet gift of heaven, Mary, this great privilege that you know so well is also, will also be a great burden. How many of you have walked with the Lord long enough that he has become your great privilege, but the walk of the Lord has also been a great burden for you? That's what relationship with Jesus looks like, and I wouldn't change it for the world. It's a privilege and yet a burden. Why? Because we're not of this world. We're set apart. We're not of this world. We're just like Christ. We come in for a moment. Boom, but then we go and resurrect to be in our kingdom forevermore. And there's a burden while we're on earth that we carry for the sake of the gospel. But Mary, 
your son as he proves that he is right and that there is no wrong in him, he'll also make you right, Mary, one day. Your very son who you gave birth to will be the right in your wrong. And he will come and his vindication will be your vindication and not just yours, but the whole world's wrong would be made right. And he will be vindication for every person that comes to believe in him. Come on, this is amazing stuff. Simeon is laying it all out. Heaven's breakthrough found in the perfect son of God. This is your breakthrough. It's mankind's breakthrough. So Simeon, on Jesus' baby dedication day at the temple, it makes it known what is occurring. There is no more excuse. There is no more waiting. There is no more questioning God. Guys, I need you to listen to this. Salvation is here. The light to reveal darkness of the nations, the glory of Israel and any people that would make him their God, beginning in Israel but would extend beyond Israel to the ends of the earth, the one that will cause many to rise, the sign sent from God whom many will oppose. At the end, the result is all will stand before him, the one who will reveal the deepest thoughts in our hearts. He's here and his name is Jesus. And that's what he's telling Mary. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pause there for a moment because I'm going to continue all this on candlelight. Next Sunday at 7 o'clock, be here. And I'm going to continue on this thought. But your light, church, has arrived. Amen? Why do we have lights up? Because that's what it's about. Our light has arrived. Your breakthrough has come. And as Simeon says so well, being led by the Holy Spirit, as I believe the Holy Spirit gave him the utterance to say this, it says, which you, sovereign Lord, have prepared for all people. So as Simeon is sharing all this, and I'm going to wrap this up, he's sharing this with Mary and Joseph. And verse 33 says that they were amazed at all that was said to them. Listen to this. And another person walks into the room, and what a scene breaks out. (laughs) Just when you thought it gets weirder. You've ever been in a weird situation, and then it just gets weird, and you're like, oh, (laughs) this just turned even more. The stranger picks up Jesus, starts to say a couple crazy things, looks at Mary, says, hey, everything's awesome and great. He's amazing, but it's all, and you're like, what? This is a crazy situation. And as he's speaking to Mary and Joseph, a prophetess by the name of Anna walks in. This is beautiful. I mean, the, the word of God is like, ah, oh, it's like rich milk. It says, Anna, verse 36, a prophet was also there in the temple. Where was she? She was there. In the, in the background, she's like, hmm, something's going down. Let me go check it out. And she was the daughter of Phanel from the tribe of Asher. But look at this. She was very old. Eh, crazy, huh? That, that detail had to be put there. She was very old. Not just old, but very old. <laughs> no one wants to be called that, I guess. But her husband died when they had been married only seven years. So she only lived seven years with her husband married, and then he died, and Look at verse 37. She lived as a widow to the age of 84 years old. She never left the temple, never left the temple. Can you imagine never leaving church? Never left the temple, but stayed there day and night. She worshiped God. Look how she worshiped God, because we're going to start doing this. You can start already, but January together as a church. She worshiped God with fasting and prayer. And she came along. Guys, seriously, look at verse 38. It gets crazy. She came along. Just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. Can you imagine that? 
Here he is, the light of the world, the king of Israel, the one that met. And then she walks in, hallelujah. And everyone's like, what's happening? She's having worship. Simeon is prophesying. Mary and Joseph are amazed and confused all in the same time. What a scene this is in the temple. So she comes along and she begins praising God in verse 38. And look what she says next. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Another translation says, she spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption. So here is my thought. Her whole life, she's dedicated to the house of God after her husband dies. She's a widow. Her whole life in worship. That's what scripture says. So I'm going to go by what scripture says. The rest of her life in prayer and in fasting, day and night, she's living in the temple at the church her whole life. And then as she's in the temple, she sees Simeon doing some amazing things, speaking to Mary and Joseph, who's carrying a baby, who now we know is Jesus, and she walks in and she begins to interrupt Simeon and she begins to praise God. It's almost as if I'm speaking to you right now and someone starts to open that door and walks up here and starts singing a song. Like, what do I do? Do I keep talking and she's singing? It's just an amazing, it's an amazing story. She walks in and interrupts Simeon. And you may feel, because I know I have at times in my life and I'm still not 84, but you may feel like your time has passed. Huh? 84 years old. What do I do now with my life? I guess I'll just stay in church and worship and praise him and fast. And I'm 84. I can't do anything good in me. Like, what am I going to do? I'm 84. Maybe you feel that in your spirit where time has passed and you've dedicated all this time to God and to his people. I've prayed my life. I've fasted. She was day and night at church. She was taking care of the church, cleaning, vacuuming cleaning the stalls, the bathrooms. She was doing all the cobwebs, fixing the AC filters, all those things. She was doing it, taking care of it, all while praising and worshiping God. But then this woman, she sees Jesus. Everyone says she sees Jesus. Do you remember when um, our friend Simeon saw Jesus? Now Anna sees Jesus. Simeon sees Jesus like, I could die now. Anna sees Jesus. Watch what she does. She sees Jesus, and one encounter with Jesus changes everything. And that's my message to you, the breakthrough that changes everything. And it's the same thing with us. One encounter can change everything in our lives. Watch this as I close. Her encounter with Jesus becomes her breakthrough at 84 years old. I don't know if you've ever read this story, if you've ever recognized this. She spent her whole life there at the church doing good, giving, giving her best. I mean, let's give her some credit. She's doing it and doing it well. But when her eyes were laid on Jesus, she broke and was moved to something totally significant, significant and different. And it says this. I'll read it to you one more time, verse 38. She encounters Jesus. She sees Jesus. And then it says... She talks about Jesus to everyone who's been waiting for him to rescue them. A woman of 84 years old says, oh, my time has arrived.
And she begins her ministry of evangelism. What's my excuse? That's what Christmas is about. Tell the world that is expecting him that he is here. Evangelism. She began to evangelize and she began to tell everyone about Jesus. Her redemption had arrived and now she would speak to everyone who would need redemption. Come on. Even if you're 84 years old, God can spark a ministry through this revival, through this encounter that will cause you to tell your whole world about Jesus. Jesus has arrived. I want to enter into a year of breakthrough the same way that Jesus, when that breakthrough entered Simeon and that breakthrough entered Anna, what happened to their lives, I want to enter 2023 in the same kind of breakthrough in my life. How many of you could say amen? Amen. amen. I'm going to give it to Omar. Um, I pray that this right here bless you. In a moment, we're going to do a baby dedication. Amen. Let's give God some praise. So worthy. Amen. Can you guys say something? Can you say this, that you are gifted? Say it, I am gifted. I am gifted. And, and we're going to get into this now, and you're going to see in a second why it is that I'm, that I'm saying that, and I want you guys to know that. But there's just so much that I, that I have to speak on today. Um, wow. You know, if I was able to get everything out, we would literally go into tomorrow. There's just so much that I have to say, but, but we're just going to let the Spirit do what the Spirit does. If the Spirit tells us to stop, then we're going to stop. If the Spirit tells us to move, then we're going to move. Amen? You know, the disciples never preached on a time frame. We come to church, and church nowadays, we have an allotted time to preach. It's, a, it's usually 40 minutes, and, and we're very organized. And, but, but I looked through Scripture, and the disciples never had that. It reminds me of Acts uh, chapter 20. It says, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. And Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. He preached, and once they were done, they were done. That's the way that the disciples did things. And listen, I understand today's church is a church of structure, and I'm a man of structure. I'm a man of organization. But if I could be honest here for one second, and I'm open to be corrected here by a brother or a sister, and I'm, I'm very teachable in this if I'm wrong, and I'm sure Pastor Regal's probably thinking, oh my goodness, what is he going to say? Am I going to have to correct him after this? But sometimes it's okay to go off structure. And it's okay to go off organization because I feel that the Spirit of the Lord is moving in a different way in this house. I don't know if you guys sense that. And sometimes, you know, if we get too focused on structure, we limit on how God wants to work and how the Spirit wants to move. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that. So maybe sometimes breakthrough comes in getting out of our normal. I want you to think about that. So let's learn to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. Amen? Okay, amen. Let's get to this message then. What do you have? You might remember that from last week. Uh, Pastor Regal started on this. And what are we, 
continuing on. We're going to be continuing on this word breakthrough, and I want you to, to think about this. Have you thought about it this last week? What is it that I have? What is it that I have? And I hope that you found that you actually have plenty. And Pastor Rigo said this last week, how many times haven't we come before the Lord and cried out, Lord, I have nothing. I don't have anything. And it always reminds me of Paul when he writes this to the church of Philippi. He writes this to the Philippians. It's uh, Philippians 4. It's going to be verse 11. And he says this, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content in, with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You have plenty, amen? So no matter what you're facing today, church, I want you to know this. You may feel poor, but you are actually rich because of Christ who gives you strength. Man, and there's things, you know, that have been prepared for you, but are you walking into these things? Have you broken through the things that need to be put away so that you can walk into what God has prepared for you? Have you walked through your breakthrough? Have you walked through your breakthrough? You know, I was a preached a message in the beginning of the year, and the message was titled Opportunity. I don't know if you guys remember that message. Um, it was the first message of that year. So what will you do this year? I preached two years ago, Opportunity. Pastor Regal has preached on Opportunity. He spoke about opportunity at the 930 huddle. You know, what does your breakthrough look like coming into this year? So last week, if you remember, we spoke a lot on 2 Kings and, and we, we discussed about vessels and that we as ambassadors for Christ are made not just to hold a certain uh, capacity of oil. Do we remember the oil that pastor was talking about last week? But we've been called to overflow in our vessels. And I hope that this past week you've been examining yourself in this. Is my vessel overflowing? Because let me tell you this. If your vessel is not overflowing, then maybe you may have to think to yourself, am I at a stagnant place? Are you at a stagnant place? There's no movement in stagnant. Think of a stream that doesn't move. The waters are still, they're filled with algae, there's a bad smell to them, and not much life is seen in still waters. It's dead water. Have you guys ever seen a stream that does not move at all? You've never seen one? I think about a pond. You know, usually ponds are small, and the waters don't move, and there's just stagnant water. There's not much life in those waters. And sometimes that's what we can become. If we don't catch ourselves, if we don't examine ourselves, we could be stagnant. You know, we've been poured into for so many years, and some of us should be teachers by now. We've been in the church for so many years, yet, yet we've never led somebody to the Lord. We've been stagnant. We, we've been poured into, but have never overflown. And I speak of this from experience because that was me. I just wanted to receive, and we just receive, and we've never given it's a term that, that I use, and it's called biblical gluttony. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. We just take in so much, but we never pour out. And if that's you, maybe you haven't experienced a breakthrough if you're at this place. You know, there's a vessel that we are called to be, and I'm going to share with you, and we're going to get into it in a second. 
Um, And this is just one part, one aspect of the Christian walk. But it's one of the most important things that we do as a believer. And you may want to write this down. Maybe you wrote it down already. The breakthrough that changes everything. Does that sound familiar? Because that was the title of Pastor Regal's word. The breakthrough that changes everything. So most of you guys know me. Um, you know the testimony that I have. But for those of you that, that don't know me, I'm going to give it to you in a nutshell. I'm going to give it to you very quick. I grew up and I went to a Christian school from kindergarten to sixth grade. And then I started going to public school. And then middle school and high school was the same thing. And even into adulthood, I, I just walked away from the Lord. I knew, I knew of God. I knew the Bible stories. I knew Noah's Ark. I knew about Moses. But there was no real intimate relationship with the Lord. Maybe some of you walked the same walk, but that's what I had experienced. I just knew stories about him, but did Jesus know me? I don't think so, because my life wasn't transformed. I was living like the world. So let me tell you what happened one day when I was working a midnight shift as a police officer. There was a van that had passed me around 2 in the morning, and this van was all jacked up. The lights were broken. It was, it was a disaster. So it's 2 a.m. and this van passes me down the street. Um, I've never seen this van before in the area that I was patrolling. And I just let it go. I didn't want to deal with stopping this guy at that moment. So the next night, I'm on patrol again. And the same van passes me again at the same exact time. And I said, no, this is impossible. I've never seen this van in this area before. And now again, he's passing at the same exact time. And the lights are all jacked up. Okay, listen, I can't let this guy go this time. So sure enough, I I stop the individual and I start walking up to the car. And and the first thing that this gentleman tells me is, sir, I have something to tell you. So I'm like, okay, let's see what this man's going to tell me because I have heard every single excuse from everybody. Oh, listen, you know, I'm having issues. I can't get my lights fixed. I was waiting to see what this guy was going to tell me. And it was crazy. Because as soon as I approach this man, he begins to minister to me. And he starts talking to me about God. And he starts telling me all these things. And he starts kind of, I wouldn't say prophesying, but man, he knew things about me that nobody else would know of. Things that I was experiencing in my life at that time. And sure enough, if you wanted to see an officer crying on the road at 2 a.m., that was me. And I have no doubt that it was that exact moment that I became born again. That's what happened on the side of the road. You see, I I tell you these things because words hold weight. And the words that you speak hold weight. So I was never the same after that. I was hyped. I was excited about the things of God. It's all that I talked about. And Pastor Rigo just spoke. We heard the, the, the story of Simeon. And Simeon was excited. Simeon was overflowing. So what was I to do with all of this excitement? You know, I felt like a Coke bottle when you shake it up and it's going to explode. That's what I felt like. I was so excited for the things of God. And I wanted to be used, but I had no idea where to start. I had no idea what to do. Amen. Siri knows what's up. So I'll tell you what happened. There was one day I'm driving home from work. And it's in the corner of 119th Street, Northwest 7th Avenue. I don't know if you guys know. (laughs) He's shaking his head. He goes, I know where that's at. Yeah, it's a very bad neighborhood. 
And I'm driving home from work one day, and at the corner of that intersection, there is a man standing with a sign that says, Only Jesus saves. And he's street preaching on a corner. Gee, I don't know if you have a picture. I sent some pictures to G. He may be able to bring it up. And he is, he's out there preaching. And I go, man. No, that's me. Yeah, that's me. But that's the sign that I had. Freedom in Jesus. So I, I start talking to these guys, to these street preachers. I'm like, man, like, what are you guys doing? Like, what, what's the message? What's the mission out here? And I start talking to them, and they're talking to me about, about, man, that they're called by the Lord to go and preach the gospel. And that's what they're doing. They're being obedient to that. So I said, man, that's exactly what I want to do. I want the world to know the excitement that I felt. Because it's needed. The world needed it. So, nonetheless, these guys made this sign for me. And I started going out. And souls begin, started getting one for the kingdom of God. And you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed of what a hurting world we live in that needs the God in Jesus. So I was scared. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. But, man, I went out there. And I let the Spirit move. And the Spirit just started doing what the Spirit did. So I knew that there was a calling on my life. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know if I was going to be called to a distant land. I didn't know if I was called to the mission field here to preach on the street. I didn't know if I was called to preach on a pulpit. But I did know something, that there was work to be done. I knew that there was work to be done. So in 2019, there is one summer that I was on vacation. We went to a place called Marco Island. I don't know if you've been there before. And I am walking on the beach with my wife at night. And God just dropped something so heavy on my heart. I didn't, heal, I didn't hear the audible voice of God, but I felt to minister something to my soul. And he just said this statement. He said, there's work to be done. And that just rocked me. I got so rocked. I was so set on fire that I wanted to do all the work. I wanted to do everything. And, but I didn't know where to start. But God prepares the way. He prepares the opportunity for those who want to work. But now it's on us if we're going to walk into those opportunities. Are we going to walk through those doors? Let me tell you this, church, that if your vessel is overflowing, you're going to open the door. So I want you to examine yourself. Is your vessel overflowing? Because something happens when you meet Jesus. A breakthrough occurs. A breakthrough occurs. Every single person in the Bible that had an encounter with him had a breakthrough. Everyone had a breakthrough. And I just think about the woman at the well. It's in John chapter 4, and it says, So the woman left her water jar. We all know the previous story of the encounter she had with Jesus. So, so the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town, and they were coming to him. You see, by what this woman spoke, she drew others to Jesus. She had such a radical encounter with him that she couldn't hold it to herself. She kind of became like one of the first evangelists. That's really what happened here. And Pastor Regal, we were just talking about it. Then we see Anna. In Luke, she was just talking about Anna. 
to show you that no matter what point you are in your life, a woman of 84 years old, no matter what point you are in your life, you are made for him. To speak about him, to glorify him, to worship him. Her encounter with Jesus caused a radical change in her to come out. She was overflowing with the presence that everyone needed to know. Your encounter with Jesus is going to cause you to be radical. Have you experienced that? Has there been such a radical change in your life, a radical change in your heart because of the encounter that you had with Christ? Our breakthrough happens when we have encountered him in an intimate way. Church, what does your breakthrough look like? Ask yourself this. What does it look like? God prepares the way, and he prepared the way for his disciples, for the apostles, and he prepares a way for everyone in here if... Your cup is overflowing. If your cup is overflowing. Gee, can you bring up another picture there? You know, I, I go out a lot and I like to evangelize a lot. So you'll see here, this is actually, these are a couple of brothers from the church. We went out evangelizing one day. Um, and this is a man that got saved that day. And I, let me tell you this first. I don't show these pictures to boast of myself. This has nothing at all to do with me. This is because of the radicalness that I've experienced, because of the radicalness that I had an encounter with Christ that allows me to go out and do these things. These are just people. These are regular people in our cities, in our communities that need hope that are found in the gospel. You see these young men? This was two weeks ago in Main Street. But it's the boldness that we need to have to go out and proclaim, the, proclaim Christ to the world. That's what we're called to do, church. And this is what you are called to do. And it starts with the calling. And if you're sitting here today, I want you to know this, that you've been called to this. It may not be preaching in a street corner, but it is speaking his word to the world. Okay? I want you to know that. John chapter 3, verse 16, probably the most popular verse in the Bible. I'm sure you know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. You see, we're not bringing a message of condemnation. Because the world is condemned already. There's no need for us to condemn them. What we're bringing is a message of hope to pull them out of condemnation. That's the message of the Christian walk. It's the best message in the world. It's the message of good news. The good news found in the gospel. That's the message that we bring. We're not preaching to condemn. How many people do you think I would win for the Lord if I'm standing on a street corner preaching hell and saying that's where you're going to go if you don't encounter Christ? I won't win anyone to God there. Listen, that doesn't mean that I don't come to them and present the law and present how serious sin is because those are conversations that need to be had. But man, I'm preaching hope. I'm preaching Jesus. I'm preaching, man, come and see, come and taste. That the Lord is good. That's the message I were to bring. So here's the calling. Matthew chapter 4. 
While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And look what Jesus tells them. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. That's the calling. That's what Jesus is saying. He first said to them, follow me. Action number one, follow me. Then the product of the action is what? I will make you fishers of men. All of us in here have done action number one. We have followed him. But have we walked in the product of what Jesus wants to do? You see, church, you have been called. Are you answering the calling because there is a greater calling? There is more. He's preparing the way. What does your breakthrough look like? What does your breakthrough look like? So that's the calling. Here is the commission. Matthew 29. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. Great commission, not the great suggestion. Great commission. And Jesus is commanding a few things here. Number one, he says to go. Verse 19, he says to go. What is go? He says, push forward to act upon what he's commanded to take charge and in order to do what he says. You have a green light. Go. He's not saying to hold back. He's not saying to be scared. He's saying to go. Observation number two, he's saying this to make disciples. And how do you make disciples? You speak. You speak the gospel to them, they get saved, they're born again, and they are on fire for God. They want more of Him. Then number three, you teach them. We teach them the ways of the Lord. We teach them doctrine. We teach them leadership. We teach them men how to be leaders of their household, women how to serve the Lord in excellence. We teach them every aspect of the Christian walk. And number four, He's with you. We're not going alone into these things. You're not speaking on your own behalf, but only by the power of God. You know, we hear men preach and we say, man, the power of God is over their life. How about I tell you this, that I say I need the power of God just to get up. We need the power of God just to get up. The Great Commission is for all Christians. You know, you've been given a responsibility to something great. Your, your words hold weight. We learned that in James chapter 3 when I preached it. You remember that? We spoke on the power of the tongue. You are either speaking life or you're not speaking at all and that's actually death by silence. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. By you not speaking, it's death by silence. What a great responsibility we have. You have been commissioned, church, for great things. Look at Mark 16. Look at what Jesus says. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Can I ask you this? Why is it that we don't share enough? Why is it that we aren't out there proclaiming the gospel? There's a couple reasons. I'm going to list them here really quick. Number one, evangelism is not for me. Have you ever heard that? Or maybe you've said that before. Evangelism is not for me. And I'm here to tell you this. You're right. Evangelism is not for you. It's for the thousands of people around you that desperately need the hope found in Jesus. That's who evangelism is for. 
How about this one? I don't evangelize because it's not my personality. And many people think this because they don't know where their identity is. Because if you open the Bible, you're going to see that your personality is found in Christ. And he's called you to talk about him. Your Christian walk, I hope, is not just limited to coming here on a Sunday. You're an usher here? Okay, great. The church needs you to be an usher and serve the church well. You come here on a Sunday to listen to the word? Okay, good. It's good to get fed. You serve in the children? Okay, good. The church needs you. You're part of the hype team? Good. We need you. You're part of the worship team? Good. The house of the Lord, the Lord needs you. But these are your responsibilities to the house of God. But they're not your identity. You're not known as Rizzo the usher. You're not known as Tito, somebody that plays on the worship team. You, it goes so much deeper than that. That's not your identity. That's what you are responsible to do here in God's house. I want you to know this, that you are a witness. Your life is a witness. So some of you may be thinking, man, I'm preaching on, the effective, on an effective way to serve in the church. And yesterday, man, these things are important. But I'm talking about, man, how are we going to be effective in the world? And how are we going to change our community? And how are we going to change the world? Imagine this, if all of us here took this great commission serious. We change the community. Thousands of people will come to know Jesus because of the boldness that we have. Have you ever heard this? Okay, I'm not a street preacher. I told you this. It's okay. It's okay. You don't have to be a street preacher. But evangelism is not secluded to just street preaching. It starts with your own family, with your friends, with your coworkers, those daily interactions that are around you. School, speak to your child's teacher. At work, speak with your coworkers. At public, start getting into prayer. Wouldn't it be kind of weird? It's weird, but it's not weird because we're not normal. That's our second goal. We're not normal. So it's not weird. It may be weird to the world, but it's not weird for us. The parks, the coffee shops, places that, that you go often, restaurants, prayers with the servers. We went out to eat a group of us last Sunday. Let me tell you what happened. The guy comes with the bill. The server comes with the bill. And when he brings the bill, I tell him, hey, listen, when you go and charge us and you come back, I want you to think about what we can pray for you for. So he kind of like looked at us kind of strange. I go, yeah, brother, we want to pray for you. And he came back. And he says, yeah, man, you know, my grandma has an illness. And if you could just pray for me. And we got into prayer in the middle of a restaurant. Is that weird? No, it's not weird. Because we're not normal. That's what we're called to do. We're not normal. How about this? I don't know what to say. Well, then study to make yourself approved, man. <laughs> study to make yourself approved. How, you know, I had a teacher once tell me this. How do you fail the test if all the answers are in the book? We have the book. So how do we fail the test? We have the manual on how to give living words to the world. We know what to say. And if you don't know what to say, just come to me. I would love to get with you on these things. And we'll talk about it in what conversation. You know, we can no longer use the excuse, church, that, oh, they're going to see the Christ by the way that I live. No, they won't, if I could be honest. No, they will not. You know what they're going to say? They're going to say, man, that's my nice Christian friend that goes to church. That's what they're going to say. And they're going to continue to live the way that they live, not knowing Jesus. Unless the world is confronted with the gospel, they will never see their need for a Savior. You know, one of the functions of the church is to equip the sheep to go out and proclaim God's word. 
That's what we're here for. That's what the church is here for. How else do we multiply and make disciples? But what happens is this, and Pastor Rigo spoke on this last week. We become codependent on leaders of the church. We become codependent on pastors of the church. And we believe, no, that that's not our job to go out and speak the word of the Lord. But the second you've taken on the title of Christian, your identity now is wrapped around professing Christ. This is for you. Can you say this? That you are gifted. Say, I am gifted. And I'm wrapping this up here. I want you to know this, that it's the pastor's job to comfort the afflicted. It's the evangelist's job to afflict the comfortable. That's what we're called to do. We're to go out and shake the world with the words of the gospel. And this might be the, I'm wrapping this up, this might be the biggest reason why we don't evangelize. We get so busy trying to build the church when he's called us to build disciples. God's going to build his church. God will build the church. But we get so focused sometimes on all of the events that we have to do to make sure everything is good for Thanksgiving, make sure everything is going to be good for Easter, everything is good for Sunday service, and we go to the store, and we make all these plans, and we grab all these things, and these things are good. I'm not saying that they're bad. They're good, and they're important to do. But we pass by a harvest that is ready to be picked. We're passing by the harvest. Are you a kingdom worker? Because in Matthew chapter 9, it says this. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Are you a laborer of the kingdom of God? Breakthrough is going to begin in your life when you begin to be obedient to the things of God. That's when breakthrough occurs. You see, so many times we want the blessing without the obedience. We want the answer without the prayer. We want the victory without the war. These are the things that we want. But that's not how God works because God is looking for laborers for the purpose of his kingdom. He's looking for people who are working. And we're good. We're good at doing things inside these walls. But what are we doing for the kingdom of God out there? We don't have a harvest problem. We have a labor problem. It's not so much that the world has a sin problem, but that the church has a salt problem. I believe it was Pastor Reeder that said that about a month ago when he came and he preached here. So, church, I want to encourage you. Let's rise up and let's be the salt that we're called to be. Pastor Rigo has said this. Breakthrough is not for the lazy. It's not for the lazy. And maybe you've been praying, Lord, send me. Here I am. And he's been whispering to you. I've been trying to send you for years. So what is he whispering to you, church? Jesus said, go make disciples. There's no church without disciples. And God is calling you to labor for his glory. So I want to encourage you today in this church. You have a gift. You have a gift. So don't say that you're not gifted in this area because your calling is this. Your identity is in this. Look at Acts chapter 2. Look what he says. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And look what, look what Peter says. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You have a gift. It is the Spirit that leads. If you have, 
You have the greatest gifting in the world. You have it. The Holy Spirit, where all things are possible through Him, there is breakthrough in you to win the lost. Only possible if your cup is overflowing. Is your cup overflowing in here today? What needs to break through in your life so you can get to this place? Can we do something here? Maybe this week. I want to encourage you in three things. Number one, can you pray for someone that you do not know? I've challenged the church in this before. So I challenge you again this week. Pray for someone that you do not know. Number two, can you tell someone your testimony of what God has done for you? You have no idea how powerful the words that you speak, the testimony that you have, how it can impact others. Can you share your testimony with someone? And three, can you share the gospel with someone? Can you share the gospel with someone? If you don't know how to do that, come and talk to me. And we'll have conversations on this. So pray for someone, tell someone your testimony, and share the gospel with someone. I don't want you to be fearful in these things, church, because in 2 Timothy it says this, For God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Do you have that spirit? It's not a spirit of fear. Evangelism is not done. Let me tell you this. It's not done by your intellect. It's not done by your knowledge. But it's done by the power of the spirit. And you have the power of the spirit. You have it here today, church. I think about Anna. Your time is not up. 84 years old, and at her age, everything changed when she met Jesus because of the encounter that she had with Jesus. So I want to tell you this, church. Lay down your reputation today. Lay down your fears. That's one reason why we don't want to share. What is that person going to think? Oh, man, I'm in my workplace. I'm scared to talk about Christ here. Man, what is my friend going to think if I approached him with Jesus? Lay down your reputation. Lay down your call to something greater. You're called to something that is not of this world. You're an ambassador for Christ. Lay it down. You are called to greatness. You have a great responsibility. The responsibility of the great commission. That's what you're called to do. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He hasn't given you that spirit, but a power, love, and self-control. Are these things making sense to you here today? Or am I just talking, and man, maybe this stuff doesn't stir in your spirit. I hope that you know that you were called to this. Everybody in here is called to this. How are we to win people to the Lord if we're not speaking the things of the Lord? We have to speak his word so that his word penetrates the hearts of those who are lost. Man, and you guys have the power to do that. I want to encourage you. Know this, that your words are important. Your words hold weight. I'm telling you, yes, live your life the way that we're called to live our lives. But the world's not going to see Christ just by your life. They're going to know that you're different. They're going to know that something is different about you, but they're going to think that's just my nice Christian friend. We're called to speak and to share the gospel with the lost. And however that looks like for you, if you want to come and get crazy with me, we'll go out to 119th Street and 27th Ave. We could get real crazy out there. You want to get crazy for the Lord? That's what we can do. You want to start going to, to, to uh, town and country and start evangelizing with kids? We could start doing that. 
You want to start going to Main Street and we start pouring out into you, to the youth and we start speaking God's word? We can do that. But you are called. I want, you to encourage, I want to encourage you. You are called. You are gifted. You have the gift. The gift resides in you already. The power of the Holy Spirit resides in you. So by that power that lives in you, that means that guess what? You are called. Let's change the culture. Imagine if all of us begin to do this. Man, we'll change our community. And from there, we'll change the world. We'll change the world by the things that we're speaking. You're called and you're gifted. What are you going to do now in 2023 with this gift that you have? Don't waste it. Don't waste it. I would love to hear testimony of weeks and weeks to come of how just little things that you have spoken, how prayers that you have prayed for in people in parking lots, how you were at the grocery store and you started praying for a man, how you were in CVS and in line, some woman looked a little bit strange, maybe she was crying and you pulled her to the side and you started talking to her about Jesus. I would love to hear stories of how you started talking to the teachers of your children. I would love to hear stories of how that person at the red light was having a bad day and you lowered your window and you said, man, God loves you. I would love to hear stories like this, you are gifted. How are we going to change the world, church? Let's start with our community. Let's not let another year pass. You have an opportunity. Opportunity 2023. Let's name it that. Opportunity. Let's change the world one person at a time. Let's win souls for the kingdom of God one person at a time. You are gifted. Let's come into prayer. Lord God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for today, Father God. Lord, we thank you for the, for, for the word that our pastor gave, Lord. Lord God, as, as he spoke on, on Anna, that she had a, such a radical encounter, Lord, at, at her old age with, with Jesus, that she knew that something different was going to come out of him. Lord God, I pray, Lord, for radical encounters like that. I pray, Christ, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you just tug at our hearts, that you just have a radical encounter with us, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that the culture is changed, Lord Jesus. Lord, that there is such a hurting world that needs to hear your words. I pray for boldness in this place today, Lord. I pray for your church in here today, Lord God, that they know, Lord, that they can walk around in power, that they can walk around with authority because of the authoritative one that lives in them. Holy Spirit, I just pray, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you move, that you move in the hearts of your people here today, that you move in the minds of your people here today. Lord God, that boldness is put into our mouths, Lord God. As your word says, how beautiful are those, the feet of the ones who bring the gospel. I thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you for my church family here today, Lord God. I pray that you encourage them. I pray that you empower them. I thank you, Lord. We give you the greatest honor, Lord, all of the glory. And together, God's people say, yes and amen. Hallelujah.